This is Laree Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. the folks that we bring on this show on the show because I'm so used to following them on social media. I've been following this sister for a minute. Uh, and so I'm used to seeing her in a car with a teacup in her hand as she's given the tea on HBCUs. But today she is with us today uh, to really explain about what it is we as parents can do, what we need to know about the availability and accessibility of an HBCU education in a way that is not going to leave us with a broken bank. And I'm excited about it. Trust me, y'all, when I say I'm taking notes. I'm not taking notes for y'all today. I'm taking notes for me because I have a sophomore now junior who I need to figure out how I'm going to get through. My husband and I constantly worrying about this. She is Paula Dofat. She is a higher education specialist, HBCU graduate, debt-free degree activist, guiding first-generation students to careers or higher education opportunities while emphasizing the importance of graduating with little or no student loan debt. Hello, somebody. And she has been featured in the Journal of College Admissions, uh, the U.S. News and World Report, Nightline ABC News, PBS NewsHour, NPR, Women in Higher Education regarding college counseling strategies and methodology. Paula Dofat, it is such a pleasure to have you here this morning. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Wow, I'm so excited. I was like, listen, I was like, is that me? Is that me she's talking about? <laughs> I appreciate it. But just one correction. I am not an HBCU graduate, believe it or not. Is that, did I read that out your bio? Hold on, let me make sure. Oh, you know, I meant to say HBCU advocate. I think That's okay, but you know what? I think you're going to speak that into existence because I'm going to be an HBCU graduate. I'm a, just a huge advocate and supporter. <laughs> Me too. I'm right there with you. I think I was speaking into existence for both of us. I went to a PWI. <laughs> largely because I could not find the financial resources to allow me to secure an HBCU education. So before we get to your methodologies and your suggestions, and, and we're definitely gonna have people follow you on social media because you provide such amazing content. How is it, Paula, that you came to be such an advocate for HBCUs in this way, considering the fact that you yourself are not a graduate of okay. one of those? Right, so I was a college counselor for 20 years. And during that time, when I first got into the field, uh, you know, you get information from other counselors. And one of the things that was prevalently said to me was, oh, HBCUs, they don't give money. Now I have to give full disclosure. I'm from New York. We have three um, university systems so that we don't even know about HBCUs. So honestly, I didn't even know what an HBCU was. So when I found out what the acronym meant, honestly, I just was taken aback because Simple fact that it said black in the acronym and you are saying things that are not positive, I needed to do my own research. The more research that I did, the more information I found, I was like, this is not true. And we also have to make sure now that we know that it's not true. And no one was telling me, I don't think in a malicious way, they were just repeating what they heard and no one took the time to go back and research it. So that's how I became such an advocate for HBCUs. You know, one of the reasons that that really resonates with me is that when I way back, like decades ago, when I was applying to colleges, I, I found uh, my experience seemed to resonate with that. I was apply, I applied to a couple of PWIs. I applied to a number of HBCUs and the PWIs gave me access to scholarship money. And I did not get anything in terms of a comparable package to uh, from the HBCUs. And for my parents, I was a first generation college student. They were like, well, 
I don't know what this H and the U and the B, I don't, I don't know about all that, but I know they got, they got a check and we ain't got no money to give you. So go with God. <laughs> it was basically, exactly. the black group <laughs> was basically what they said. So where do you think this misconception is rooted that black students can't get access? Cause I've, I've heard even my son say, well, before he started, we have this program he's in called the, the Delta teens. And he was like, that's where he learned that HBCUs really do have vibrant scholarship funds and opportunities. But why do you think this misconception that HBCUs don't give scholarships, why do you think that persists so strongly in the face of what you have found to be the actual truth? So I think that it, it, the root of it comes from people knowing the main HBCUs. And what I mean by main is the ones that are just the most well-known. And those schools don't necessarily give out as much money as the smaller schools. So when you have those schools and you have everyone applying to them, they only have a finite amount of money. So everyone is not getting that money. So I think that was perpetuated, but there are over 100 and there are tons of them. And the smaller ones actually give more money than the larger ones, believe it or not. So that's where I believe the misconception comes from. I really appreciate that. And, and quite frankly, y'all, if all of us are just applying or have our children applying to the top three or four that we know of, that, that tracks. <laughs> There's a limited amount of resources, a limited amount of slots. Uh, and so they're going to be able to be even that much more selective. Let's talk about this, this process of, of applying to HBCUs. What should parents be aware of? How do parents go about identifying some of the other, you know, you said there's over 100, some of the other 100 schools that exist out there that might be amazing fits for our children, even those of us who are in New York and a little worried about, you know, children going below the sub, the Mason Dixon line. Talk with us about how we as parents can best prepare our children to have a dynamic, vibrant HBCU college experience. All right. So what I would suggest is we need to reverse engineer the process. We need to figure out where they're trying to go, what we want the end goal to be for them, and then work backwards. With that, especially because like, say you have a sophomore or we're talking about a junior, they have a little bit more time to research. So what you wanna do is get that list of HBCUs and do not be afraid of definitely going below the Mason-Dixon line. I'll say two of my sons did. Um, one of them graduated from Alabama so I was nervous, but it was the best decision that we made as a family. So anyway, you want to get that list and you actually want to make sure you're looking at the ones that you've never heard of, because that's probably where your pot of gold is going to be. Let me give you an example, because like I said, we're going to reverse engineer. There is a tiny school. Now, don't fall out. OK, just hang in there with me. Tiny school called Tougaloo, and it's in Mississippi. Okay. I actually love Tougaloo for the record. They have a phenomenal um, hate crimes map or sundown towns map. They do a lot of amazing research. So, yeah. okay. I will, okay. I will, so, yeah. so hang in there with me. I'm about to blow your mind real, real quick. Okay. So Tougaloo, small school, they probably have a total of about maybe 1,000 to 1,200 students total, their, their, their student body. But what people don't recognize is that one, they give out full ride scholarships. That's number one. Yes, absolutely. Number two is that since 1964, they have had a partnership with Brown University. Oh, no, it's about to get deep. Let's, let's get ready. So what we say, let's just say that on average, just in general, people think pretty highly of Ivy League schools in general, True. we could say, right? All right. So Brown University partnered with Tougaloo during the civil rights. And what they did is they saved three seats in their medical school for Tougaloo students. Wow. Uh, 
Exactly. Why is that? Now, since 1964, the partnership has gone so well, Brown doubled down, and now they save three seats in the Masters of Public Health program, and that program is free for Tougaloo students. So I would say this, if Brown University, who we say in general, people would respect and revere, and they respect and revere Tougaloo, what are we doing? Mm. Just saying. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, <laughs> somebody just said in the chat, everywhere south of Canada is below the Mason-Dixon line. So, all right, I'll be correct. Okay. Yeah, that works. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, but now most parents might not, if they see Tougaloo on a list, they may or may not know about these additional programs and benefits that Tougaloo has. What should we, how should we be approaching the research? And I got to ask this because unfortunately everyone prized, you know, I did my own research, which meant they went down a YouTube rabbit hole. What does research in this context as actually look like if we're trying to be effective? Well, research in this context, actually, I've done it all for you. So what we did is we created a searchable database of all the HBCUs that offer tuition or more. So from tuition through full ride scholarships, there are actually over 150 of those offered. So we did all the research and created it in a searchable database. So you actually don't have to do it. But if that's not, it is honestly, full disclosure, it is a paid subscription, not expensive. But I also want to make sure that people know that if you have time and you're willing to dig deep, you know, you can do the research. Who's the we, Paula? Because I, one, I don't have the time. I appreciate it. You don't already put it together. <laughs> Because I'm like, why should I replicate what somebody else has done? I don't you know. don't have to. Who is, who is the we that put it together? Are you a, a one-person show or how? what is your team? I, I actually am not. We are HBCU Money Guide. It is a company. And actually, two of my sons work with me, the two that graduated from HBCUs. I have one from Alabama A&M and one from Coppin State University. Oh, Coppin. Is that in Maryland? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> That is fantastic. So it's HBCU Money Guide. Is it what is that the website? HBCU. It Money is. Guide. It actually is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll write that down. Take some right. notes. Mm-hmm. Okay. In addition, we have um, the list of all the HBCUs by state, and when you get there, you have all the basic information that you need: the tuition, the fees, all of that part. That part is free. You can search any of the HBCUs and get a little background. And then, if you want to get the information about the scholarships, then that is a subscription-based service. How did you get the idea for this? It's one thing to do the research on your own, but to then put it together for other people to have access to, where did that concept come from? The idea came from, I was working at a, my, the last place that I was working at a school uh, and parents were sending other parents to me because the student body was really small and they were like, well, my daughter got a full ride to this school and this HBCU and that HBCU. And so people started calling me and I was like, oh my goodness, I can't possibly service everyone individually. So I had all this information. And then I said to my son, I said, you know what, let's just create. So my son and a developer, honestly, full disclosure, I love that full disclosure. I keep saying that because I'm about transparency, but um, my son and a developer from Fiverr, they built the website and built the database. And so we wanted to make it accessible to anyone who wanted it. And we also wanted to make it um, economically accessible as well. 
Well, we all appreciate that because, you know, like I said, I don't mind paying my money for a good subscription. That's good <laughs> information, but I appreciate that it was designed for people who perhaps may not be able to afford a trust fund level access. Right. Uh, so, so that's important. One of the things I really appreciate about the way that you present the information is you make it very accessible. Uh, and that's how I've actually, I think I found you from a reel someone had shared on Instagram and I was like, oh, who is this lady sitting in the car with his mug <laughs> talking about HBCUs? Because your, your format and your presentation presentation is also very palatable and I feel like it's very well designed for us in our community. Where did that concept, how did that component of this project come together for you? Actually, God and my son. So, <laughs> so God downloaded, I just heard it like free degree tea and I was like, what is that? Okay, I think I can do this. Told my son about it and he said, mom, with your glasses, you need a mug. Let's do a mug. You need tea in the mug. Okay. Now, of course, everyone has called me out. There's never tea in the mug. I'm in a car, y'all. I'm sorry. All right. But we're working on getting some tea in that mug. So that's where the format came. And then I also recognized that right now we're in a place where people need to get information quickly. So I needed to make sure they could get everything, all the, the details they needed in a minute or less. And so that's where it came from. And also just knowing that we, our target is to get them to graduation. We want to make sure that they're getting there with no debt or the least amount of debt because our real end goal is making sure that our students can build personal and generational wealth. That is the real point of everything that we're doing because there is a way to go to school and not pay, period. Yeah, and I missed that train because even with them scholarships that the PWI gave me, I still ended up with all this student loan debt because they didn't cover all the things. It was, <laughs> we didn't know how to read the fine print, Paula. So, you know, that that is a mistake. I'm still paying for literally to this day. So let, let's say I'm a parent in the audience. I've got a, now a rising junior and, and maybe my junior, maybe he's been stellar, but maybe not. Let, let's not. Let's not take let's not take the straight A student. Let's take a student who struggled a bit, uh, maybe has a maybe 2.5, 2.7-ish GPA, depending on the day and the weather. And, and they want to go to school and, and they want to be able to go in a way that will be affordable for them. And they really want to go to an HBCU. They, they're listening to us right now and they go to hbcumoneyguide.com and, and they find a couple of schools that they think they like. What are the prospects of someone, a student coming from that particular uh, background, maybe not the best athlete, you know, maybe kind of middling along in terms of engagement with activities and whatnot. What are, how should the parents and, and that student together navigate your website and information in a way that will allow a student with that sort of profile to be able to maximize their opportunities? Actually, those are some of my favorite students. So yeah. I would say they so are. Many of them. I know so, the straight A's are going to be fine. It's the other kids that I'm more concerned about. Some of my favorite students. So a couple of things. If they are in a state that has um, a two-year HBCU, because there are community college HBCUs, I would go that route. Now, majority of people are not in those states because there's only about three of them, but three states, that is. But what I recommend is if you have a 2-5, Two six two seven below a three zero. I highly recommend going to community college first. I think that is the way to go. Reason so being, tell us why. Yes. Okay. Reason being, one, what people may not know is that the majority of community college have endowed scholarships. So if you have at least a two zero two one, you can apply for those scholarships and probably will not pay to go to school. All right. That's number one. Wow. Number two. That is a way more affordable way to get your general education courses completed. Once you do that, there are at least seven HBCUs that you can transfer to 
and get a tuition or a full ride transfer scholarship to. So I do not recommend students going straight into HBCUs if you have a 2-5, if the money is not right. So it's not about the rigor. It's not about you know um, if they can make it through. I always look at everything honestly from a financial standpoint. If it's not going to make you dollars, it's not making sense. Hmm. So we have to make sure of that. So community college. Now, I'll tell you, give you a quick personal story. One of my sons, the one who graduated from Alabama A&M, he actually graduated from high school with a 3.9 GPA. Now, oh, that's cool, excited. I really wasn't that excited because those SAT scores were horrid. And he knows that he says it. So I'm not saying anything that he doesn't say himself. So when we looked at the numbers, he said, well, I've worked really hard, but this, is, this test doesn't work for me. And the test doesn't work for a lot of our students. So I said, well, what are you going to do? Because we're not paying. And he got into every school he applied to, but the money wasn't there because of the test scores. So he said, I'm going to community college with his 3-9. He took his good, good 3-9, went to community college, right? He got a scholarship, which he would have gotten also if he had a 2-1. And he got a refund, ma'am. Okay, yes, had money. He didn't tell me that actually until like last year, which is another story. We'll talk about that another time. But, um, and then he was on target. He said he was going to go to Alabama A&M because his younger brother was targeting that school and he got his scholarship straight out of high school. But my older son got the transfer scholarship. So my other point is if the money is not there, no matter what the GPA is, we gotta put this pride aside and think financially. We have to say, okay, that 3839, that's fine. It's not where you start, it's where you finish. And if the money is someplace else at the beginning, go get that bag and then go get that good, good degree in the transfer. We have a lot of, of misconceptions about community colleges as a, mm -hmm. as a stepping point. And I, it's interesting, my husband actually went to a junior college before he finished up at UC Davis, and that was a, a football route that he was able to take. But a lot of our students aren't necessarily even considering community colleges. And, and you mentioned something in particular, and this is very much, very important for the first generation college uh, high school high school students will be going into college. You mentioned general education credits. Can you break that down for, because not everybody is clear about what the difference is between your major versus general ed. What's the difference between those two and why is a community college a great place to get your general education credits before you transfer and then go into your master's, your, your major program? Sure, so general education courses are courses that no matter what your major is, you have to take. So in English, math, psychology, sociology, speech, so the core classes that you need to take to get any degree. So because of that, you can pretty much take them any place and just make sure they're gonna transfer. So that's why I think that community college, because English 101 is English 101, right? Psychology 101 is psychology 101. Right. So that's another thing. So that's why I think it's a great idea at community colleges. So the idea that there is money available for our students, I think is shocking to a lot of people. I'm looking at some of the chats right now and they're like, oh, word. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is phenomenal because I think it's really important for us to be clear that we got to come away from this idea that our institutions don't have. And we have to come away from this idea that our institutions can't produce. When we, we've talked to a number of experts who have mentioned the fact repeatedly that HBCUs are contributing far more in terms of black graduates, black graduate degrees, yes, but just black graduates at the bachelor's level, they're punching above their weight in pretty much every single category. Can you talk with us a little bit
bit about the benefits that the HBCU experience provided for your son, not so much as a college counselor, but more as a parent, what were you able to see that that experience was able to provide for them, particularly, Paula, as we are in this age right now where racial tensions across the country are very hostile, and they're increasingly and escalatingly so. Uh, talk with us about what you saw in terms of benefits for your children as a parent. So I'll speak for benefits for my children and for the students that I've serviced. A couple of things. One, they are going into a place where, no, let me start this way. Right now, what I'm seeing Black students are looking for, they're looking for a place that they can have, that they can feel a sense of belonging and community, both culturally and then also a, a sense of safety physically, emotionally, and psychologically. And HBCUs do that for our students. One of the things, both my sons, they have more confidence than anyone I know. So I would say, I'm going to tell you, I think I'm a pretty sharp cookie. I honestly do. However, however, I'm going to say this. The HBCU graduates that I have met, there's something very different and very special about them. There's a, there's a nuance about them that myself as a PWI graduate, I don't have that. There's something that was instilled in them that just cannot be done any place else. And so I think that's extremely important to focus on is that they are poured into, those are really the formidable years. They can say, we know about middle school and all these things, but when you're going into adulthood and having that foundation, there is no better foundation for a student. Knock yourself out in grad school at the PWI. But my suggestion is I think every student of color needs to explore the option of an HBCU you've ever experienced. Mm, I, I so appreciate this because I'm old enough to remember with my Gen X age self that there was a real time period when there was a question about whether or not HBCUs would quote unquote prepare you for the real world and how, you know, uh, what are you going to do in this all black space? The real world doesn't look like that. You have to be prepared for what's really happening here in America. You don't go to, you don't live in Blacklandia. You live in America. What is an HBCU going to really do to prepare you? And then I'm looking at Vice President Kamala Harris. I'm right. like, what? Well, now she, she seems to have managed okay. Mm -hmm. Paula, what should we, how should we think, rethink our understanding about the HBCU experience preparing you for what the real world has for you? Well, well, I'll give you an example and she will allow me to use her name. I had a student named, her name is Nasa. She graduated um, from Bethune-Cookman University in 2020, right? No, not true, 2019. Her experience, she got a full ride offer there. She was from Baltimore and she was like, oh my goodness, going to Florida, what is going on? And she had to go by herself. But she said it ended up being the best experience she had. When she graduated, she graduated with a job offer from Amazon, right? Now, not just any job offer. They told her she had five locations she could choose from. She won't let me tell you what the salary was, but it was a good salary. But they did give her a signing bonus, relocation money, and she got stock, a whole lot of stock. So this was not an Amazon uh, working in the sh in the, the nope. Store. She she was human resources. Wow. Yep. Came in at management level. Wow. So. Okay. It feels like uh, what I'm hearing you say is that we we need to not only rethink, renew our minds when it mm -hmm. comes to 
approaching HBCUs, but it feels like this is also a place of, of good investment opportunity. And I'm thinking as a PWI graduate, I invest in HBCUs. I, I send money to HBCUs. It feels like if we're thinking about where are our economic engines as a community, uh, engines that are going to allow us to, to mass produce greatness, to, to mass produce pipelines of excellence in terms of thought, in terms of opportunity potential. Uh, it feels as though HBCUs is a place that we as the public should be investing. I know you're more focused on how we can get students into these institutions. Uh, and graduating debt-free, but is there a component of that analysis or the work that you do that also looks at encouraging the community to see these as investment centers where we should be using our Black philanthropic dollars, because we are Black philanthropists on this channel, how should we be thinking about directing our Black philanthropic dollars at, and partnering with these organizations, investing in them, whether you're an alum of the institution or not? What are your thoughts there? So my thoughts are this. Um, one, look at a major, what was your major, no matter where you were, okay? Now, find a school, a smaller school, and God bless our larger HBCUs, but they get the money all the time, all right? So I would say find something that's dear to your heart, whether it was your major, whether it's a particular department, whether it's a, a sport, whatever it is, and then find a smaller HBCU and make a commitment to support that area. So then it also feels intentional and um, strategic and intentional for you. And it resonates with what's in your heart because you did not go to that HBCU. But if you are passionate about marketing, the marketing departments, why can't you be passionate about the marketing department at Philander Smith? <laughs> you know, if you are passionate about bowling, why can't you be passionate about the bowling team at Alabama A&M? Right. You know, so I say find a find a, a, a reason and then commit to a season to put your money someplace where it's really going to matter. And those dollars are important to those schools. You know, it's so funny that you mentioned bowling. One of my line sisters actually got a, a free ride, a full ride on a bowling scholarship. Yep. I was like, I know black people and bowling and scholarships just think she was like, girl, cut them nails. Let's go. We go into the lanes. Yes. <laughs> Let me show you how to do it. Uh, but you're, you're right. And I, I love that approach to it because a lot of us, particularly those of us who don't have a personal connection to an HBCU, we're looking for ways that we can connect. And I think your approach makes so much sense. If this was my major and I'm passionate, if I'm in communications and I'm passionate about it, let me find a communications department at a small school um, that, you know, is not going to be one of the top four already getting those resources because that will more likely draw me into further relationship with this institution. Now, now Paula, I can already tell because I, I have a pretty good uh, third ear that allows me to hear what the audience is thinking. And there are at least one or two people of the many millions who are listening right now who are thinking, well, I just heard about, you know, what's happened at such and such HBCU. They barely have housing. They barely have this. They got roaches and mold. How come we should be talking about HBCU? What do you say to the folks who have really highlighted the few stories that talk about um, infrastructure failures at institutions. What would you say to that person who, who wants to participate, but just is, has been watching too much of the news in a way that wasn't with a critical eye? What, what would you say to that person? Oh, I have a personal story about that. You're going to love this one. So my son, David, who went to Alabama A&M, he had to be, I think, in his junior year. He called me. He said, Mom, he was like, we don't have water. My dorm. Hmm. I said, okay. He said, okay. I said, yeah, okay. What do you want me to do? You know, and I knew what he wanted me to do, but I said, what do you want me to do? He's like, well, 
mom, we don't have water. I said, I heard you. I said, you know what? Call me back after you figure out what you want to do. So a couple hours later, he calls me back and he was like, mom, okay. I looked it up. I Googled, I found out, I went to Walmart. I got water. I can flush my toilet. I can boil water to, you know, to cook and to bathe or whatever, whatever. And, you know, we're all kind of pulling our resources and figuring it out. And I was like, okay, that's fantastic. And he was like, but Ma, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you call the school? Why didn't you? I said, let me explain something to you. I said, one, you're grown and you got to figure this out. And I will support as I need. Two, do you ever plan on being a homeowner? And he said, yeah. I said, well, what the heck would you do if you didn't have water? I said, we can't, what am I going to call what school? Call the resident assistant. There is none. It's on you. So I said, rather than looking at it from a negative what are the life lessons that you can get from things just not maybe going well? Wow. You know, and our HBCUs offer that too. And then I also told him, I said, that's also something for you to think about as you become a, an employed grown man, where's your money going to go? Are you going to give back to your HBCU so that maybe this will not be the situation or the circumstance for another student for whatever reason? Hmm. So I that's my answer to that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Now, I know that there, there are folks who would push back and say, well, if I'm paying my money and, and this school has this, that, and the other, then I need to call the school. Would you advise that people who after, let's say your son had called back and they figured it out and he said, but mom, we, we still want you to call. Would you advise parents to get involved? Because I, I got to be honest with you, Paula, I might be inclined while my son's figuring out Walmart, I'm going to be calling that registrar. Like, well, hey, hey, what's going on? My child ain't got no, no water. What, how else can we help them to figure out not just how to get through this moment, but to challenge our institutions to be better, which is something that a number of alumni have begun really discussing in earnest. Right. Well, I think my perspective is that we teach our students, our young people, how to handle those situations. We give them guidance. Go and ask this person this. Find out that. Now, I'm not saying we don't support them and we may have to make a phone call, but I think our phone calls need to be the last resorts. Because how do we empower them to know how to handle a situation? You know, are they going to be 29 years old calling you, talking about, mom, my lights are not whatever, you know, but you own this house. Now, you want, you want me to call the light company for you? Did I empower you? Did I give you the tools you needed to be able to do this, you know, with the guidance? And not for nothing, we had power uh, and water outages at Penn State, too, and roaches. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> so so there's that. You just say it doesn't just happen at our institutions. It can happen in a variety of spaces. But I, I appreciate the, your response in that you do want to encourage your students to learn how to advocate for themselves. One of the challenges I have as a parent is realizing that because I came up with very little, I got a lot of hustle. And mm -hmm. I realized that my husband and I, we have given our kids the world. And like many other now middle-class parents who came up poor, these middle-class kids ain't got no hustle, Paula. So we, we do have to reverse engineer that outcome as well. Mm -hmm. And I love the, the example. We've had a number of folks on from an, institutions like Howard, where the students were really dealing with some extreme experiences. They organized, they brought in alumni, very difficult, but they are going to be able to, they are in the process of transforming that institution for the better. And this really is something that we're going to have to grapple with. And I need my alumni associations. Y'all going to have to be a little more organized and involved. So these babies don't be, be the David who's giving the money back. Don't be the alumni who just went off and got a good job and you come back for homecoming and don't ever help nobody come home. So there's that, <laughs> that as well. Exactly.
Paula, we have just a few minutes left. Where can people go to get your information? I want them to have your Instagram feed because I love, you're one of my favorite follows on IG right now. It's such helpful information. How can people connect with you uh, in as many prop, uh, platforms as possible? Okay, well, we are HBCU Money Guide, our website and our Instagram. We are not across other social platforms yet because I was trying to navigate this one. Um, we literally honestly just started February 22nd. And so that's when I knew that God was like, do this and people needed this information because we went from 102 followers to 62,000 followers from February 2nd till now. And um, so it's not necessarily about the followers, but it is about the people who need the information. So HBCU Money Guide across all platforms and the website. I just got a text message from one of my sister friends. She was like, I need her Instagram. So clearly... <laughs> Clearly, uh, you are striking a thread, uh, a tone that is very important. I'm really grateful for your approach. I'm really grateful for the fact that you put this content out. It is really, really helpful. It simplifies the process. And I, and I see it not as a radio host or a lawyer, but I see it as a parent uh, who really needs this information, particularly because my husband and I, it feels like our college experience was so long ago, it doesn't even necessarily translate to a lot of what young people are dealing with now as they make their, their approaches and to apply. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for the HBCU Money Guide. I'm about to go pay my subscription. I need my, my information. Really do appreciate having you with us today.